Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. God's Word is like a seed. The Bible says that, that, that when we put it in our life, we don't even know how it happens. We go to sleep and we wake up and we go to sleep and we wake up and we aren't even aware of it, but it is growing. And the Bible says that it begins to bring forth fruit in our lives in, in many different facets, 30, 60, and 100 fold fruit. And we aren't, we aren't even aware of it. So today I want you to know that you are going to be changed by the word of God. The seed that's going to go into your life today you, you can't even help it. You could go to sleep. Some of you probably will. But you could go to sleep right now. And nonetheless, the word of God is going to find its way into any little place in your life. And it will begin to grow. And today, because you have chosen to, to, to put yourself in front of God's word, today will change your life forever. Now, how much more will it change your life? How much quicker and how much better if you actually open up your mind and your heart to the word today? I'm aware that today, like every Sunday, you know, you have the potential to hear something that's going to challenge you, going to encourage you, inspire you, and something perhaps that's even going to, uh, you know, maybe rub you a little the wrong way. Okay, because, you know, God is not necessarily okay with everything that we do. And sometimes his word shines a light on a place in our life that we need to change a little bit. And today you're going to find out how you can participate with God and make the greatest, you know, uh, take the greatest advantage and make the most of the opportunity that you have today. So... We're going to be going to the book of 2 Timothy, and we're going to, today we're going to be talking about first and last. Have you found 2 Timothy yet? <laughs> first and last. Uh, as I said, our text this morning will be coming from uh, 2 Timothy, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to survey the Apostle Paul's last words, the last words that we have, and we're going to take into consideration as we're looking through the book of 2 Timothy, we're going to be looking at the first thought and the last thought of each chapter in Timothy. We're going to see what was so important that the Apostle Paul felt like he had to get this out before he was martyred. By the best accounts we have, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter from prison in Rome. It was about the year A.D. 66 or A.D. 67. Right there in that fall, through the winter, and into the springtime. A.D. 66, A.D. 67. The Apostle Paul is 62 years old, give or take a few months. The Apostle Paul has been ministering for 35 years. 35 years earlier, he was committed to his religion. He was committed to destroying the church. He was committed to putting Christians in jail. 
And he was on the road to Damascus. You can read about it in Acts 16. And he saw a great light and he heard the voice of Jesus Christ calling him. And there he was born again. His life changed. 35 years later, after he has taken the gospel all over his known world, he finds himself in prison. He knows that the emperor is committed to killing him. And in just a little while, just a few months, the apostle Paul is going to have his head cut off. Paul has been through a lot. He knows that he's about to die. But he offers no prayer to God that God would give him some kind of reprieve. Neither does he make a petition to, to Nero, to the Romans. He doesn't petition them either. He has no plea. He has no prayer because he knows that he has committed his life his soul, his eternity to almighty God through Jesus Christ. And he knows and is secure that heaven is his home and heaven is his future. He is not trying to get another day in this life. He is trying his best to let his light shine as bright as it can while he is here and then look forward to a greater day when he can step from this life to the next into his eternal reward. There's one thing, however, that Paul wants to do before he finishes his race. And that is he wants to write a letter to a young man named Timothy. He wants to encourage Timothy and instruct Timothy how Timothy should live and how Timothy should minister and what Timothy should believe. Timothy was just a young lad when Paul first met him. Paul was visiting the town of Lystra. You can read about it in Acts 16. Timothy was a young boy. It was the second time that Paul had been there. And, and Paul knew Timothy's mother and most likely his grandmother. And, and, and Timothy had been raised in a godly home. And he'd been raised in a home where, 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 where his mother and grandmother had prayed and raised him right. And, and on Paul's second visit there, it was decided that Timothy should accompany Paul and Silas on their missionary journey. And so Timothy went with them. He became one of the most well-known disciples of the Apostle Paul. Paul invested in Timothy's life like he invested in so many others. 16 years had passed since Timothy had first began traveling with Paul. Timothy was 16 years older now than he was when he met Paul. He had learned so much. And while Paul is in prison in AD 66, 67, Timothy has been made the first bishop of the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was a work that Paul had created, a work that Paul had founded, a work that Paul had established, and Paul had been there for two years. But now, while Paul's in prison, Timothy was now the pastor and the bishop of that church. That church, we're told, had grown to be the largest church in Christendom, the largest church in the history of churches up until that time. Some scholars put, it, put the, uh, the, the membership at 15,000. Some go as high as 65,000 converts under Timothy's leadership in the town of Ephesus. 
Timothy was a man of God. He had grown up. But he still considered the Apostle Paul to be his spiritual father. He still understood that even though Paul was in prison, even though Paul had, 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 had run his race, and even though Paul was about to move off the scene, yet he understood that Paul was still a great gift to the body of Christ. Some of the members of the church in Ephesus were people like Aquila and Priscilla. If you read the book of Acts, you'll find out that they were noted teachers of the word of God. One of the members of the church in Ephesus was John the apostle. He was the oldest living disciple of Jesus. He lived his last 60 years there and died there and is buried there in Ephesus. And it's even believed by many people, including me, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a member of the church at Ephesus because she moved most likely with John, having been given John as her leader, as her covering by Jesus on the cross during the persecution in Jerusalem when John left and moved to Ephesus. It is reasonable that Mary would also, escaping the persecution, have gone with him. And if you, some of you have gone with me to Ephesus, if you go there with me, I'll show you where Mary's church is and where many believe that she was buried. But back to the year AD 66-67, I know those things are controversial, especially if you happen to belong to some denominations. <laughs> back to the year 66-67. Paul is sitting down to write his last will and testament under the guidance of the, and, and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to survey this powerful letter this morning by just looking at a few scriptures. The first thought and the last thought in each of the four chapters. And so now, uh, now as we do this, I want you to, 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 to realize these are not my last words, okay? I'm not going to heaven right now, I don't think, and I'm not going anywhere else, okay? And I know sometimes when I preach about things, people go, oh my goodness, he's just, you know, uh, no, no, not, and for some of you, that's probably not good news, but the fact is you're stuck with me, okay, uh, for a long, long time, all right? So, uh, but at any rate, let me share with you this commentary uh, from the first thought and the last thought of each of these four chapters. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, the Apostle Paul begins his last will and testament. The Apostle Paul is speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These are the last things he's wanting to say before he's martyred and before he leaves. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I love the way that he accepts his calling, that he accepts his mission. He wants everyone to know and he wants Timothy to understand that I have been called and sent by God an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, not by the will of man, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul wants Timothy to know that the promise of life is held in Christ. I have run my race. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. At the end of my life, I know that life is in Christ. He's writing this, verse 2, to Timothy, a beloved son, and here's what he hopes for Timothy. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ our Lord. Here he is speaking. 
his hope for Timothy. If there's only one thing that I could say to you, Timothy, and one thing I could leave you with, Timothy, it would be my hope that the grace of God, the unmerited favor and ability of God would be in your life and that you would know God's mercy, his ability to pick you up and to give you another chance, his forgiving, redeeming quality that God is not looking for technicalities to push you away. He's not dangling you over the fires of hell. He is a merciful God. He's a kind God, and I trust that you will know the peace that only comes from God through Jesus Christ. There is no other peace. There is no other peace we can know because each one of us, like the Apostle Paul, will approach death one day, and when we do, the only thing that will give you any peace is the knowledge that Almighty God is in your life. He is your anchor and your future. As we get to the last thought of that chapter, verse 15 begins that last thought. Paul sadly writes, this you know, Timothy, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, this is the only time these two nuts are mentioned in the Bible. I would not want my only mention to be a mention that I left the Apostle Paul because he came in disfavor with the government or disfavor with others because, I mean, but this is what the Apostle, Timothy, you know that everybody in Asia has forsaken me. They've fallen away from me. They've turned away. They're ashamed that I'm in prison or they're ashamed of the message or, or, or many, uh, he, he goes on, if you read the whole thing, many of them have started preaching a social gospel. Many of them have started preaching a legalistic gospel. Many of them have started preaching things that the apostle Paul counts as heresy and blasphemy. And because he was strong and said, that's not the gospel, that's not the word of God. We should live clean and holy lives. We should be respectable. We should not be like the world. And we should not be without the grace that saves. It's not a works-based theology. It's a grace-based theology. Many people had turned away from him because of that. Verse 16, he says, The Lord grant mercy to the household of of, of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Boy, I would much rather be this guy than the other two guys. This guy is mentioned more times in the Bible, by the way, okay? He was a man who lived in Ephesus and he refreshed the apostle Paul. Verse 17, and this guy went from Ephesus to Rome while Paul was in prison. And and verse 17 says, but when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. Verse 18, the Lord grant to this man that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Wow. The apostle Paul has a few things on his heart at the end of his life. He wants Timothy to make sure that he's filled with grace and mercy and peace from God that only comes from God. But he wants Timothy also to understand that, that, that sometimes people walk away. Sometimes people leave you. Sometimes people betray you. Sometimes people don't want to be around you anymore, don't appreciate your word. But when they do, they don't speak for everyone. Because this man, Onesiphorus, he had continued to stick by the apostle Paul. 
He was not ashamed of Paul. He knew that Paul was the man that had brought the gospel to Ephesus. And because of that, Paul wanted his last words to include a blessing on this man and all of his household, that God would be merciful to him and that God would bless him and that God would grant him such grace and peace. Why? Because he was nice to me, because he helped me, because he encouraged me, because he supported me. This was important not only to the Apostle Paul, but he is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we too could take some note that it's important to be kind to others in their good days and in their bad days. To not be fair weather friends. Chapter 2, 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, the thought that he begins with, he said, you therefore, Timothy, you know, for this reason, Timothy, I want you to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now I pray that you would have grace and you see these two groups of people, some people that, that, that will stick it out with you and some people that are going to leave you in bad times and some people are going to start doing other things and some people are going to start following other, other doctrines. But, but, but Timothy, I want you to be strong that is in the grace of Christ Jesus and the things which you have heard of me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Timothy, don't look around in life for the able people. Don't look around and join yourself to someone in business or in life. Don't join yourself to them because they are able. Don't pursue and chase and follow people who, who, who look the best, who sound the best, and who are able. Rather, seek out faithful men. Seek out men who are faithful to God because the faithful in the end will still be there. Like Onesiphorus, faithful to the end instead of the other two guys who were probably very capable. We don't even know who they are, but many people imagine that they were perhaps leaders of churches that Paul had started and whenever he got in disfavor, they pulled away from him. Whenever they, 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 they got you know, to where they didn't need him, they left him. That seemed to be the pattern in Paul's life, that Paul would help people and help people and help people. And then when they didn't need him anymore, they acted like they didn't know him. But Timothy, commit to faithful people. Do what I've said. You've heard so much. Commit what you've heard to faithful men and they'll be able to keep the thing going. The last thought in, 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 in this chapter two begins in verse 24. Because he tells Timothy that the servant of the Lord must not quarrel. You can't fight and bicker and argue over these things, Timothy. You can't be fussy. You can't be complaining. You can't be quarrelsome. But you must be gentle to everyone. Able to teach and patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. The King James Bible says... The King James translation says, in meekness, instruct those who oppose themselves. What is he saying? He says, Timothy, you will in life see people who, who are not doing what is best for themselves. They're their own worst enemy. They're doing things that, 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 that are, that are you know, not to be continued. And Timothy, you need to be patient and you need to be humble and you need to be caring and kind and you don't need to be argumentative. You don't need to be finger pointing, but you do need to bring some correction. So in meekness, in humility, Timothy, correct those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. What is he saying here? He's saying that, that people, 
People can't repent on their own. Repent basically means to change. What does that mean? That, that means that you don't change just because you want to. Do you know how many times I have encouraged others, how many times I myself have tried to change in an area and find myself just repeating it over and over or find that other people just repeat a cycle over and over and over? Have you ever wondered why people get in a cycle? They want to change. They say they're going to change. They need to change. They know it's best to change. But then one more time, one more time, one more time. Well, here, this gives us a key to helping us change. God grants repentance to those who will acknowledge the truth. Many times people will just not acknowledge the truth. What they're wanting to do whenever you bring them correction, what they're wanting to do whenever someone, whether it's a parent or a boss or, or a pastor or a leader or a counselor you know, or, or a friend, when someone corrects them, they just want to get out from under the pressure of being corrected. So they'll agree so that mom will shut up. Or that they'll, 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 they'll say okay, but they aren't really embracing the fact that you are causing your problem. Because when you acknowledge the truth, God grants repentance. He grants us the power to change. Why will God not grant the power to change to someone who will not acknowledge the truth? Because he doesn't want a bunch of lost people being saved. He wants saved people saved. If you don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can't get saved. God doesn't just save you because he's a good God. He doesn't just grant you a life change because he loves you. You need to acknowledge the truth. And when we acknowledge the truth, when we are corrected and say, good. Now, we have a chance to be a fool or to be a righteous person. The two differences. The Bible says a fool hates to be corrected. A fool hates instruction. But a wise man loves it. He runs to it. Woo, wait, wait, let me get over here so they can correct me. Because once I'm corrected, you know, I'm going to acknowledge, yeah, that was me. I did that. Boy, I, I can see that. Yeah. Oh, I can. Whoa, I need to change. You know, now if that's you this morning, guess what? You're going to be granted repentance. There's going to be a change in your life. If you're just saying, oh, well, you know, that's not me. That's somebody else. It's not my fault. I'm no, 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 no. Then you're going to be the fool in that scenario in Proverbs and you're not going to change. The Apostle Paul is wanting Timothy to understand change comes because we acknowledge the truth. So we must be as preachers and teachers and ministers and parents and bosses and, and friends. We must be those who approach others with humility, that we approach them with wisdom, that we approach them, you know, correcting and instructing them when we need to in the very best manner, not argumentative and not fussy because that makes people close off. When a parent just fusses at a kid, it doesn't change a kid. The kid doesn't say, I did wrong. The kid says, mama's mad. Daddy's mad. Okay, He's just an angry person. Well, the boss, he just must be having a bad day. No, 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 no. That's probably not true, especially if he's having a bad day every Monday morning because of you. You can break the cycle. By acknowledging the truth and God granting repentance. Why? Verse 26, that they may come to their senses. When you acknowledge the truth, when you come to your senses, acknowledge the truth, God grants repentance and you escape the snare of the devil 
because he can take you captive anytime he wants to if you are just denying that there's anything potentially wrong or it's your fault, okay? And it never changes. The first thought in 2 Timothy 3, but this, no, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Oh, no, no, not perilous times. I don't want perilous times, okay? He said, Timothy, perilous times are gonna come. How will we know perilous times? How will we know the last days? Verse two, for men will be lovers of themselves. Uh Uh-oh, we're in perilous times. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They will be boasters and proud and blasphemers. Oh no. In the future, it says children are going to disobey their parents. No way. Yeah, going to happen. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. Now, Paul is, is using his last words here in writing to, 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 to identify people who will not acknowledge the truth so they can change. And that is why we as friends and we as leaders and we as lovers of man, we must in humility present the light, present the truth, present the opportunity, not in judgmentalism and criticism, not harshly, not quarrelsome, but in meekness instructing those. Why? Because people are caught up in loving themselves and loving money. They're unthankful. They're disobedient. They're unforgiving. They're slanders. They, they don't have any self-control. They're traitors, verse 4 says. Headstrong, no way, yep. Haughty, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, looking like Christians, but denying the power of God that will change them. They're refusing the power that changes lives. Let me tell you today, if this is my last word, let me tell you the power of God will change a life. Only Jesus Christ in your life and in your heart can change you and make your life all it should be. Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. Only Jesus can help your children. Only Jesus can help your parents. Only Jesus can help the Muslim world. Only Jesus can help the Buddhists. Only Jesus can help those who are lost in darkness. Only Jesus. And we have to present him with love and with kindness and with care and without criticism and without separation. We have to bring Christ to others in a way that they will embrace. Only Jesus. Verse 16, the last thought of this chapter. All scripture is given by inspiration. Now realize here he's not talking about New Testament. New Testament wasn't there then. He's talking about Old Testament, okay? All scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, instruction, right? He's telling Timothy, what I want you to use whenever you go to these people to share with them the love and the goodness of God, I want you to use the word of God because it is the word of God that is inspired. It's the word of God here that, 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 that is profitable for doctrine, instruction, and for correction. When you correct someone, give them the word. Don't give them your opinion. Give them the word and be kind with it. Don't use it like a baseball bat. Don't whip somebody with the word. Offer them the word as, as a treat, you know, like a piece of chocolate. Here, let me give you a morsel of truth that is going to change your life. You'll love it. It will taste sweet to you. Make sure your ministry to others tastes sweet. 
We need to know the word that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The first place the word should work is on our lives. We should always hear the word we're telling others and make sure that we're not guilty of the same thing that we're trying to instruct them about. The last chapter, the first thought of the last chapter, 2 Timothy 4, I charge you therefore before God. Oh my goodness, I would not want the apostle Paul to point his finger at me, but I think he just did. I think he just pointed at you. And I think he said this, I charge you by the living God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge. Oh my goodness. That's something we charismatic neo-Pentecostal faith believing full gospel faith and confession word whatever we are this is something this is a word we don't like judge wait god ain't gonna judge me yes he is god is going to judge you he is your judge and if you don't have some respect and healthy fear of God, the Bible says that you're not wise. The other side of that coin is foolish to think that you're not going to stand before the living God and give an account for your light shining. You will. I will. That's the truth. He's a loving, caring God, but he's serious. And Paul, in, in, in beginning his last chapter that he's ever going to write and leave for us I charge you, therefore, because of all these things, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, you preach the word of God. You preach the word. Don't be preaching some Reader's Digest stuff. Don't go out here and give people some, uh, some, something that sounds wonderful ought to be hung on a wall, but is not worth two cents to God. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, when it's convenient and when it's not. When it's not something that is easy or convenient for you, you do it anyway. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. And the last thought, the last verse that we hear from Paul. Verse 22. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. And with that, off came his head. With that, he finished his race. The balance of what he wants can be found in that first hope that we would be people who were filled with grace, that we would be a merciful people, and that we would be a people who knew the peace of God in our lives. What can you do this week? Number one, I'm going to ask you to be a faithful friend. I'm going to ask you to stop distancing yourself from people with problems. Be a faithful friend. Be a faithful friend. The Bible says that God hates those who sow discord. Don't separate. And don't separate Friends from friends. Refuse to protect your right to be wrong. 
Number two, acknowledge the truth. This week, I'm going to challenge you all week long. I'm going to pray for you all week long that when you hear a word of instruction or correction, that you will say, you know, that's me and I need to change. I accept that, God. I embrace that, God. Help me, God. Grant me repentance. Give me the power to change. Without respect to what anyone else did, it's between you and God. Receive the word of God for you. Apply the holy inspired word of God to your life first. And number three, stay ready to share the word of God with others. When it's convenient and when it's not. You may need to go out of your way at some point to share a loving, kind, even correcting word with someone else. Not from judgment, not from criticism, but from kindness. Because if you share a word with someone else and they receive it, like a wise man loves to receive instruction and correction, you'll change their life forever. Okay? So be a friend. Be a faithful friend. Okay? And stay ready to share the word.